0: Heavenly Father, we thank you today that you have come in us, in our midst. Father, you've indwelled your people by your Spirit, and, and Lord, you brought us here to this place. And Father, there are people that are watching all over this nation right now that will be watching this message. You've brought them to this message today. And so, Father, as we fellowship around your Word As we open it and we feast upon it. I pray that we would honor it as it is intended. That it would be exactly what we need. This day. Father I pray that the word never. Never becomes old and stale to us. That we can read it over and over. And get something new out of it every day. Because it is inspired by your spirit. And you are the immortal, eternal, invisible God. And there is no way in any way, shape, or form, that we will ever, ever fully understand you in this life. And Father, I'm not sure we'll ever fully understand you in the next life, but we, it's what a blessing that you have called us to learn and to grow in you. So as we approach a word, I ask in the name of Jesus that by the power of your spirit, you would open that word up to us, that you would give us what we need today to understand it. Father, you have placed within us your spirit, and your spirit wrote this word. So interpret it and open it to our hearts and our eyes. We pray against what the enemy would try to do this day, to blind and to uh, block the ears of each of us as we hear this word. Because, Father, we want to grow. We want to know what you want for us. And we will thank you. We will bless you. And we worship you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I'd like to talk to you today uh, a little bit about uh, just kind of a, a segue off of um, last week's message. We, um, we spent some time last week talking about our responsibility as Christians, and I, I hope that uh, this, this message never becomes old to us, that we can be encouraged by what we hear Because as a church, we are not called to just sit. We're not called to just fill a chair, write a check, hand it over, and as we talked about last night, have the paid professional take care of everything. Remember Ephesians chapter 4 says that um, my responsibility, and I take it very seriously, Pastor George has the same responsibility, is to teach you to do the work of the ministry. Now that flies in the face of everything that we've been raised and trained in in many for many years as a church, and so uh, to change that um, that way of thinking is hard for all of us and again, we you know we talked about this last week, how sometimes people feel inadequate to share the gospel, or they feel inadequate to teach the, the, the children's church or do those things. And we just need to be mindful, and I, and I hope that we remind you enough that you are inadequate to do it. But Christ in you is not. Boy, that was a good place for an amen, but I'll try to move on. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Christ in you knows the Scriptures. Christ in you knows how to minister to people. Christ in you knows what that person that you're dealing with needs. Amen? Oh, there's that amen. I like it. I thought maybe you guys were just kind of rolling with the heat wave and just, you know, wilting. We're not called to wilt. We're called to action. We're called to share the gospel either with words or without words, to a lost and dying world. And so as we, as we approach this word, I pray that we would be mindful that the word, uh, the, that the Scriptures are intended for our benefit, and if necessary, and, um, if necessary for our correction. I, I know sometimes I have people come up and they, they talk to me about, you know, what I do here on Sunday mornings. And uh, the preaching of the Word, and, you know, they, they like it, or sometimes they don't like it, and that's okay. But you don't understand that when I preach this Word, when I share with you what I'm sharing, I am learning at the same time. I'm being convicted by what I'm sharing with you. Does that sound weird to you? <laughs> there you go. Listen, this is, this is intended for us as a body. We are learning together. Amen? So I would like you to turn, if you would, to John chapter 15, verse 1. And um, we're going to talk about being fruitful. and What God intends for us and what He asks of us. If you remember the day you got saved or when you came to the Lord when the Lord revealed to you and you received and understood that He was the God of the universe and you were separated from Him and you confessed your sins and you asked Him to come into your life and to save you, one of the the dangerous things that we run into is if we are not in a, in a, in a healthy body with people who are encouraging and working with us, we can get into... Um, the thought and the idea that this is all about me. And it's not all about you. It's all about Jesus Christ in you and us. So if our if our whole lives, and, and usually early on in our Christian walk, it is about you. you. It is about the things God is changing in your life and you're growing and things like that. But that is not where God intends you to stay. He intends for you to be fruitful. He has called you. And as a matter of fact, Uh, The Scriptures are are just full of references about being fruitful and multiplying. And so, if the God of the universe created everything to be fruitful and multiply, then does it not make sense that when the God of the universe, through Jesus Christ His Son, who shed His blood, who um, gave everything for us, wants us to not just sit in the pew, and not just all be about me... It has to be about someone else. We are servants one to another. Remember, uh, the Lord Himself on the last the last meal that He had was dis- with His disciples. Remember, He gets up and He undresses and ri- laps, wraps a loincloth cro- around His waist, and He goes around and He washes the feet of all the disciples. Remember, Peter said, so, "Oh boy, I don't want you to wash wash my feet." Um, you know, and it wasn't that you know Peter was. Um, I I just think he's so uncomfortable that he didn't feel worthy. But Jesus said, "You know, if I don't do this, you don't have any part in me." So you know, Peter said, "Okay, do all of me then." Right? But Jesus dressed himself, sat down, and he said, "Now, do you know what I did? Do you realize what I did for you? That as your master, I washed your feet. I am your servant." And no one here in this room will be great unless of the servant of all. Now, again, that's a uh, a crump paraphrase of a very good scripture. But if the God of the universe came to serve, and then He placed His Spirit within us, and He left us with this commandment to go out and serve, then we should be obedient to that as best we can. And it's a growing process. This is something, especially if you're new to the faith, if you're new to maybe this church, maybe you've never been in a church where they've they've required that of you. We don't require you to do anything. We just ask that we we all as a church walk with God and listen to His voice and serve each other. And by and large, and mostly this church does a, a very good job of that. You love one another and you take care of each other. And, but... I'm just. I'm going to tell you. I know for for as much as that I do and how I do it, and as much as you do, I know that there's more. Because listen, we're in a, we're in a battle and a war. People are not keeping a sound mind anymore. They're not holding true uh, to truth. And you have all of that, so they you know they'll look at you and maybe think you're crazy. But Jesus requires. I don't. Jesus, your Lord and Savior, the one who died for you on the cross, and the one from the cross who said, It is finished, it's done work, he is the one that requires of you certain things. And he shares this with his disciples in John chapter 15. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. He it is that bears much fruit. You see what Jesus is talking about? Being in him, and being, because we're in him, and we're abiding in him, and we're dependent upon him, he wants us to bear a little bit of fruit. Is that what it says? He wants us to bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Would Jesus do that? Now think about this. He is talking about somebody that is a branch in him that isn't abiding, that isn't uh, taking supplements from the root, that is actually independent from the tree or thinks that it is, and it withers and it dies, and it's taken off, And burned. Hmm. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, and you ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. For by this, doing this, being fruitful, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Now, this is a classic scripture that's read and taught over and over. We've even taught this here. But I want you to think about as we approach this, Jesus has something in mind for his disciples. And remember, for three and a half years, he's walked, he's taught them, he's raised the dead, he's healed the sick, uh, he's cleansed lepers, he's uh, withered hands have, have grown out. All of these things, and he's getting ready to leave. And he reminds them that in Him only is life. In Him is that abiding. Um, one of the things that is, if you're into horticulture and different things like that, you know that a, a fruit tree. You can take different uh, fruit uh, grafts, and you can put it all on a fruit tree. And that that tree you can you can raise um, apples and pears and and oranges and everything off of off of one tree. But the way it gets there is you take that that limb or that that graft you take it off and you graft it into that tree and you nurture it and you take care of it and you prune it and it produces fruit so you can have literally you know if you want in our culture today you can have a tree with limes and lemons and 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 pears and all different things growing off of one tree now the fruit in that comes from that growth but that that pruned limb that is put in there is dependent upon the root itself. If you take that off of there, it dies. If it's not tended. And Jesus talks about this, even if you are bearing fruit. Jesus said, the Father will prune you. Do you think pruning is fun? As in my garden, on um, Friday, and my tomatoes have finally taken off a little bit if you live in Wyoming a tomato is like gold and I've got a bunch of suckers on there and so I'm trying to prune the plant back so that I can get the one stalk with the, with the tomatoes and everything on it and I'm pruning away and I have, a, I have a, one of the stalks that's got tomatoes that are about this big and I'm clipping away and I clip and I see that limb fall off I cried. <laughs> it's bad. You cry over tomatoes. I'm not God, which is a good thing. But I know that, um, <laughs> I know that that plant will produce because I've pruned it. It takes a pruning and tending. I, I've shared the story with you. Uh, we had a, a couple of apple trees that I planted, oh my gosh, 30 years ago. Was that right, Care Bear? And so we planted these trees, and they grew, and they never bloomed. They never produced apples, nothing. And finally, I saw my wife headed out there with a saw. I said, where, where are you going? I want to cut those trees down. I said, no, those are apple trees. No, they're not. They're just trees. So, you know, I put myself between her and the tree, which was probably pretty stupid, but it did. And I said, listen, just, you know, give me another year. Please, give me another year. And so I, I really went at these trees, and I, I mulched around them, and I put manure. And thank you, Jesus, the next year, we had flowers. <laughs> and then they frosted off. <laughs> but we had flowers, and I got to keep the trees. And those trees now are producing. But and there's a story about that in the Bible, about a, a fig tree that was planted in the vi- in a vineyard. And this fig tree never produced fruit. And the, the master came and said to the, the vine dresser, he said, I want you to cut that tree out of there right now. And the vine dresser goes, no, no, let me, let me take care of it for a year. And so he, it says that he pruned it back, and he took care of it, he dug around it, and he put manure and said the next year it had fruit. You see, the Lord wants that fruit. When I, when I walk up to those apple trees now, I see all of those apples on there. That's, that's what we planted them for. We planted them to have fruit. And they do. But it took work to get them there. And it doesn't, it's not because I'm such a, a wise guy. It's just sometimes there are things that you have to do that, you know, as, as a gardener. But the, we are tended by the master gardener who created everything. And he expects us to bear fruit. It just does. And that's what Jesus said. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. So it, when people look at us, and... In, in, most people, if, you've, uh, if you know your fruit trees, you can walk up and you, you look at a fruit tree. Some people can just look by the leaves or the bark or whatever it is, and they can tell you, well, that's an apple tree uh, or that's a pear tree or this is a lime or whatever that is. They can do that. Other people walk up and they see, you know, the fruit on it, and they know that that's a fruit tree. Well, when, in the world, if, if we can use that analogy, when we go outside these walls, are we bearing fruit? Are we and again, the only way we can bear fruit is not in ourselves. it has to be abiding in Christ. it has to be being connected to him because when 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 you take that uh, that limb and you graft it in, the only place that it produces fruit is on the new growth that comes from that so as as a Christian. You were once a, a wild, whatever, fig tree. The Bible uses that for an example. And you were, the Bible says, grafted in. And when you were grafted in, that master gardener, that vine dresser, placed you exactly where he wanted you, and he took care of you. And as you were taking nutrients from the root, which is Jesus, then you started producing new growth. On that new growth that comes from him, the fruit is produced. That old part of that limb never produces fruit. It's always the new growth. So if we can take that analogy, we have been grafted in, the Bible says, to a fig tree. And we are expected to grow fruit. We're not just grafted in to exist, to look good, to grow this big strong limb. We are grafted in to bear fruit. Do you ever think about that? because if you've got a fruit tree, you want to get fruit off of it, don't you? And if the God of the universe plants you and he takes care of you, guess what he expects from you? Well, Lord, I sat in the chair every Sunday faithfully, and I gave, and I did this, and I did that. doesn't matter. It's, it's good that you come. It's good that you sit in the chair. It's good that you receive the word. But what are we doing with that word? And are we abiding in Christ? Because in Him, that word then is produced through us. The fruit is then taken care of. You know, we know from the creation story that God created everything with the ability and the command to multiply and produce offspring or fruit. Genesis one twenty six or one twenty eight. When man was created, uh, He created the um, the plants. With, uh, with fruit in them or seed in them so that they could reproduce. And then they, they multiplied on the earth, the, the animals after their kind, same thing. And then he made man. And this is what he said about man. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and bring glory. Right? He says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Adam and Eve were not created just to sit in the garden. They were created to tend the garden. Literally, work is a gift given to man by God. (laughs) Try try telling your teenager that. Right? Right? Work is something that right now in our nation, I mean, think about it. If you're an employer, how easy is it to find work or find people that want to work? Or should I say, how hard is it? You know why? Because we've been taught that work is a four-letter word. And it's not good. Work glorifies our Creator if it's done correctly. Because man was created to work. He was created to subdue the earth. And, and that, that word fruitful means to bring forth and increase and to grow. And, it, and it, there's, there's three words here. Fruitful, multiply, and subdue. Those are the three things that God asks man to do. So, he was supposed to bring forth, increase, and grow. Have children. Make the human race. And to increase abundantly is what multiply means. And to subdue means to rule over. It's our responsibility to take care of the earth and the animals and different things. Now, we know at that time, if you read that that God said that he had made the plants and the green uh, things on the earth for every animal on the earth and man himself to eat. There was no flesh eaters. And I I know that this will make the dinosaur people nervous. But T Rexes were not designed to eat flesh. You know what they were designed to eat? Plants. I'm not going to get into that right now. But go back and look at what, tell me what the word says. Before the fall, before the flood, every single animal and human being on the earth ate vegetables. And the vegetables just did what they were supposed to do because they were commanded by God to multiply. Everything God creates, if you go back and you look at that creation story, everything He creates, He tells them to be fruitful and multiply. And He, and he creates man last, the, the, the absolute crown jewel of His creation. We were made after His image and His likeness. We looked like Him. And we were designed, as, as Justin prayed this morning, we were designed to be vessels of worship worship. And to glorify God. And what glorifies God? Increasing, being abundant, and subduing. Now we know that man traded that for a lie. And since then it's just been, you know, kind of downhill ever since. But Jesus had had to come and he had to fix that, which he did. But from the beginning man was given the command to multiply. And bring glory to his creator. You remember here, oh, probably the last 15, 20 years, all we've heard is there are too many people on this earth. The population is just, it's, roof. And so there are very intelligent or semi-intelligent people who have spent their days and their times traveling around the world, sterilizing people in countries so that they can have. We saw uh, one nation had so many people and the babies that were being born all of the daughters were either thrown in the dumpster or brought to adopted out. And all the male children were kept. Do you know what that nation is begging for now? Female babies. And now the new thing which I love all this stuff The population on the earth, they found, is starting to decline. Well, why wouldn't it be? Between war and abortion and sterilization and selective breeding or keeping, mankind will decrease. So when we we find ourselves fighting against that, we're fighting against God. Because he has asked us to be fruitful and multiply, just physically. Now, I realize that some people can't for whatever reason, and that's, that's not what I'm talking about here. There is there's more to this than just having children. There is the other thought and idea of multiplying and increasing and having fruit in your life. For us to be pleasing to God, the Bible tells us we have to have faith first. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For we first must believe that He is, and there's a the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. You guys doing okay today? Am I monotoning you into sleep? Sorry. Sometimes I, I worry that I'm, I'm, you know, anyway, don't worry. If we are His branches grafted into Him, we will bear fruit not of ourselves, but from the, three, the tree root we receive nourishment from. Galatians chapter 5, 16 through 26, tells us this. This is the fruit I believe that God expects from us. One of the fruits. But Paul says, "...but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit." And The desires of the spirit are against the flesh. did anybody struggle getting out of bed this morning to go to church? You know I often I'll get my cup of coffee and I'll go out on the deck and watch the sun come up. You know how tempting that was just to do that today than come here. The flesh, oh my gosh, I just want to be comfortable out here on the veranda with a good cup of coffee. Where did I put my coffee? Oh, there it is right there. So, I know that we all, you know, our flesh does not want to do these things. But, you know, you guys subdued the flesh this morning to get here. You subdued the flesh and your, and your teenagers to get them here. Okay, moving right along. rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. That is the fruit that is produced, and the Apostle Paul calls it the works of the flesh. That is the fruit that is produced by someone who is in the flesh, and that's all they do. And as Christians, we can kind of dabble in some of those. I know no one here has a temper, right? Okay, moving right along. I know no, you know, none of us have jealousy or idolatry. None of these things. Because we're saved, right? And so, but the reality is, these are things that we are in struggle against. These are things that were in our past, most likely. There are things that your whole life you're going to have to put down and abide in Christ to keep it down. Now, some people would disagree with me. And say, well, you know, when you're saved, it's not, you know, fine, I'm, I'm okay with that. Now, there are things in my past that I did that I'll never do again that got me to where I'm at. Those things, when that, when that comes up, I look at that and think, mm, no, that was death. Now, those, that's the way that I look at it. But as Christians, we have to learn to discipline our flesh allowing the spirit to teach us and to disciple us and to walk in us that's what abiding in christ is it's done through prayer it's done through the attending of church with the with the congregational meeting it comes with fasting it comes with meditating there's a lot of things that are done but it also comes with serving other people it just there're just a number of things so then he goes um And things like these, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, remember, as a Christian, the Holy Spirit dwells within you. That is the life that is in you. If the Spirit of Christ dwells within you, then you have the capability to do exactly what God said that He wants you to do to be fruitful and glorify God and bear much fruit. But a part of that sometimes can be allowing God to prune you so that you will bear much fruit. So, but, if the, the, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. See, this is the, the battle of the flesh that we have even in the church. You know, sometimes we can envy other people within the church. Sometimes we can start dissension with our brothers and sisters. And the Apostle Paul warned the Galatians that those things bring death. And that's, you know, uh, one of the things I love about this church. You guys are overall really good about this. And I, you know, it's, it's it's a joy and a pleasure to be able to pastor you. Because you, you know, you are allowing the Lord to work in you. We all have moments, all of us do, but overall, our desire should be to crucify the flesh and allow the Spirit then to lead us. If He does, that new growth that's in us is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, self-control. That's the fruit that glorifies God, okay? And the only way that fruit is there is if Christ is there. Remember the story of Jesus in the fig tree. In Mark chapter 11, verse 12. It says, On the following day when he came from Bethany, he was hungry. Jesus is heading to Jerusalem. And seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. Now listen to this. For it was not the season for figs. And he said, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. So we know that Jesus cursed this fig tree. Did you ever... <laughs> I, I struggled with this for years. I thought, you know, the tree is growing there. And it's got leaves on it. And it says very clearly, it is not the season for figs. And Jesus walks up looking for fruit from it. And it's not there, so he curses it. Th- did you ever struggle with that? You know, I, <laughs> we, we were listening to um, Del Tackett last week. And he said that in seminary, that some of the seminarians are learning that Jesus had anger issues. And that's why he cursed the fig tree. This is what's being taught to our pastors, by the way. Or that he was uh, uh, he was low sugar that morning. Literally, that's what they're being taught. This is something that I, I learned years ago, and, I, and I'll share with you. Maybe you already know this, but on, on particular types of, of tree of the um, fig tree, there's a, a pre-fruit that comes out. It's, it's like a little nut. And um, the poor in Israel were allowed to go to those fig trees no matter where they were at, and they were able to pick that fruit and eat it. It didn't affect the production, but that fig tree, if it did not have that nut and that fruit, was not going to produce figs. So when Jesus walks up and he sees the fruit the the tree in its green, he expects to find fruit upon it because it is is a fig tree and at that time of the year it should have been producing the nut that he could go up and break off. When he walked up and pulled the leaves back, it wasn't there. And when he saw that, as the creator, he knew that that tree would not produce fruit. So he cursed it. Now I don't want the Lord to pull the fig leaf in my life away and look for fruit and not find it. Do you? And what that means for you, I don't know. I just, uh, you know, I talk to people all the time. He said, You know, we, we just want to finish well. <laughs> you know, I want to finish well as a husband and as a father and as a pastor and as a grandfather. I want to finish well. But the only way I can do that is if I'm connected to the tree. And I'm only connected to the tree because he's placed me there. You have been grafted in. And if if you're grafted in, you're expected, scripturally, you are expected to bear fruit. And what does that mean? That means you need to be ready. The apostle Paul to to Timothy, his... um, his young pastor in 2nd Timothy chapter 4 verse 2, he tells Timothy, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. You see, the fig tree wasn't ready. And it was out of season for one fruit, but it should have been in season for another. Basically, the Lord is, or, you know, the Lord is telling Timothy through Paul, you be ready, whether it's season, in season, or out of season. Be fruitful. So that when the Lord comes, you're bearing fruit that glorifies Him. And saints, I don't know exactly how to get this uh, moving in us. It has to be a a sovereign move of God in our church, in our congregation. And it has to be a a willingness and a desire, I think, on our part to want that presence of God. And to have that fruit in our lives. I can't bear fruit. I, I'm, I'm the other guy. Anger, you know, all those other things. But when I'm walking with the Lord, and when you're walking with the Lord, it's the other fruit that we're looking for. The fruit that brings righteousness and brings eternal value. All the other stuff is going to die. And so, I, I just encourage you today to think about what has been shared. You know, and and I'm not going to read this, but if you go to Matthew chapter 25, 14 through 30, there's the story of the talents. Uh, The man goes away and he gives um, his servants, uh, he gives one of them five talents and gives one of them two talents. And he gives another one one talent. And the Bible says, according to their abilities. And he comes back and the the one that was given the five talents has increased it to ten. And he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And the other one he, he requires a, a counting of him, and he had two, and he had four and he said, "Well done, thou good and faithful servant." The other one comes and and um, presents his one talent back to the Lord and the Lord said, "What happened? Well, I, I knew you were a you know a harsh man, so I buried it so I wouldn't lose it. The master didn't go, well, I'm glad you saved that for me. He said, you know, the one with the five increased to ten. The one with the two increased to two. And you hid it. He said, at best, you should have took it to the, the the bank and got interest for me. But yet, you chose to bury it and not let it bear interest or fruit. And he said, take the talent from that person and give it to the one who knows how to handle it, and take that person and cast them out into outer darkness. Saints, I, I, you know, I may not be the five guy. I might be a two, but if I'm a one, I don't want to be that guy. I want to at least... Do pre- you, know, you know what I mean? And the only way that I can do that is to understand that that is given to me according to my ability and that He requires an increase and a multiplication and a conquering on my part. So, where are we at today? How are you doing with it? It's just a, i know it's a lot to think about and I want to encourage you. The thing about this is this is something you can do in Christ it is what he wants us to do. He wants us to be fruitful in him. And that could be serving within the church, that can be serving outside. You know, we have teachers that are serving in the in the school district. Uh, we have people in political offices. You know, there's a there's a lot of ways to serve. And there's a lot of ways to be fruitful but as part of it is being mindful that wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, God is requiring of you to multiply. He requires it. Don't be the one talent buried in the sand. It does not end well. Amen? All right. Anybody want coffee and donuts? Okay. Let's stand. Still good to be saved? Sorry, your pastor's low energy today. Maybe it's low sugar. (laughs) Hi, gorgeous. It's good to be saved with you. Thank you for your faithfulness to the Lord to each other, to this church. Thank you for serving one another. Thank you for being mindful of it. Thank you for being patient. Just be Jesus to the world. Be Jesus to your spouse, to your children, to their friends. That's what we do. You have a talent Some of you may have five. Some of you may have two. Some of you maybe only have one. But if you look at Matthew chapter 25, it says that talent was given according to their ability. You all, all of us have the ability to do something with what God gives us. Just step out. Do it. And watch the multiplication. And that's what the Lord's requiring. Father, bless your church. Bless their lives, their hearts. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would work mightily this week in us as a church. That we would be mindful of your presence and mindful of your word, and that we would abide in you. Father, I thank you that you have called us and given us everything we need. And you have given it to us according to our ability. Even if we feel inadequate, Father, you we are able in you to do what you've asked us to do. So from the very beginning, when you required everything to multiply and everything to increase, you haven't stopped. You're still the creator and you require that. And and Lord, you reminded us that to glorify your Father, we would bear much fruit. So Father, I pray for a new understanding in my heart and in our heart as a church for this (laughs) creative work that you're doing in us that we submit to it and allow you to do what you've always asked have willing vessels that allow you to do that work so Father, anoint your people bless them with your spirit in a great way Father, freshly anoint us as we leave here today to meet the needs of the world outside, that, that the people who are in fear and those that are dying and those that, that don't even know they're dying. And Father, I pray that you would, sh- you would shine the light upon their sins and upon their separation from you if it's even through us. And Father, you've given us the ability to speak to that and bring life. So we just thank you. Pray your blessing upon each and every heart here today. Bless, Father, they're going out and they're coming in Father, bless everything they put their hands to as they acknowledge you and return it back to you. Father, we worship you. We thank you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.